The following audio is from Shady Grove Presbyterian Church in Rockville, Maryland. Our mission is to follow Jesus Christ and labor for his kingdom both in our area and around the world. For more information about Shady Grove Presbyterian Church, please follow us on Facebook and visit shadygrovepca.org. Let's take the Bibles together. If you have a Bible with you, if not, follow along on the screen or in the bulletin. We're looking at Mark chapter 8. We've been working our way through uh, the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to be looking at the first 21 verses today of the Gospel of Mark. Let's give attention to God's Word. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they've been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed the people with bread here in this desolate place? He asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven. He directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples and set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate. And were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. <clears throat> and immediately he got into the boat with his disciples, went to the district of Dal, Dalmanutha. The, the Pharisees came, began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, went to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they only had, and they only had one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, being aware of this, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not understand? May we understand this morning. Well, when kids are on a long journey and they're in the back of the car, they will often call out and say, are we there yet? Well, we're almost there. Almost there to what? Well, we're almost there in our journey in the Gospel of Mark to the Great Peak, the Great Continental Divide. And the Great Continental Divide of the book of Mark where all the storyline is either flowing to or flowing from, is Mark 8.29. And it's the great confession. It's Peter's confession that you're the Christ. And it's kind of like, you know, I think of the movie Rocky, and, you know, he's just trying to get his wife on board to fight, to fight, and finally when she comes out of the coma, and, you know, she says, go fight him, you know, and then like, dum, 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 dum. I mean, it's, you know, the, the whole, everything, the drama is, now we're on the mission. Well, everything is flowing here 
to get Jesus is trying to convince the disciples that he's the Christ. Everything's leading up to that continental divide. But then all the, all the water is flowing now after that, after 829, are to convince them, I'm going to the cross. And both of those are going to require faith for the disciples to embrace. And the problem with the disciples is our problem. We forget. And we have this thing called cataracts, spiritual blindness, vision that doesn't see real well. Matter of fact, Jesus gives a parable with a healing to, to illustrate where he heals this guy and he says, How's it, how, how do you see? And he says, I, I see men like trees walking. It's right before the great confession of Peter because it's going to lead right to the, to the great satanic council, which is you should never suffer. No way. Because he's, he sees men like trees walking. He halfway gets it. And so often we halfway get the gospel. And that's what Jesus is trying to get them to see who he is. And they, they get it, but they don't. They see men like trees walking. They, they kind of get it, but they kind of don't. And so we have this issue of spiritual blindness. And so in this passage, if you look at the, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of narrow in from different directions and then kind of bore into the text. But if you kind of look at the different directions, if you remember where we've come from, is Jesus has been, he's gone into Gentile regions. You need to know that this is in a Gentile area. If you don't get that, then you're, you're going to miss half of when he says, I have compassion on the crowd, and he's eating with sinners and feeding sinners and feeding Gentiles. This is pretty different than the feeding of the 5,000 where he's feeding Jews. These are Gentiles. This is huge. Because if you remember in chapter 7, the, the Pharisees and the scribes, they come, they've, they've come on this mission from you know, 90 miles or 80 miles from Jerusalem, they're on a mission. I mean, this guy, Jesus, he's bad news. He's eating, he's eating with sinners. He, a woman has touched him that's unclean, and he's touched a leper. I mean, he's, he's, he does everything wrong, and, and he doesn't even keep the tradition of the elders. He doesn't wash his hands before he eats, and, and so Jesus has to show them very key. In Mark chapter 7, he makes it clear to them that actually what defiles you what makes you unclean is not what goes into your body. It's not what you're consuming, food. He's saying that goes in and is eliminated, expelled, verse 19, chapter 7. Literally, it goes into the latrine. And then, it's, then you have this little parenthesis that's really important. It's a little foreshadowing of the rest of the Bible. It says, thus he declared all foods clean. What? Like all Levitical laws are going to be, all dietary laws being put aside, Jesus has just declared all foods clean. I mean, that's seismic. That's big. He's not only going to declare all foods clean, he's going to declare that you can actually eat with people that you would never eat with. And so what's going on here in this text is he then, after that, he, he, he says where the defilement comes from is from within. And Jesus has this hard saying in chapter 7 that out of the heart of man comes all these bad things, evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, and, and we've been watching it. I mean, who has not seen something about the murder all murders in this past week? Has anybody, anybody ignorant and clueless of the murder all murders and seen nothing at all on the news? I mean, and you're just like, 
how can this normal guy murder his wife and, and son? It's, it's completely bizarre. But out of the heart of man, we're capable. We're capable. And so Jesus is on the move, and he's showing where the real problem is. And then he, as he goes from there, he then goes to, in verse 24, chapter 7, Jesus is on this long uh, retreat or, you know, spiritual retreat. He goes to the region of Tyre and Sidon. That's a very Gentile area. And then he actually heals a Gentile, this woman who's a Gentile, a Syrophoenician. He heals her daughter that's demon-possessed. And she gets her place. He's saying, I'm only to, to take care of the, the, the lost sheep of Israel, is what he says in Matthew's account. I just came for them first. He's on retreat. He's in a house. She barges into the house, and she knows her place. She's like, well, even the, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the table. Like, help me. My, my daughter needs help. And Jesus heals. Just with a, he just says, go your way for, for this statement, for your word, the demon has left the daughter. And then he goes from the region of Tyre, and he, and he went through Sidon, we're told in 31, to the region of the Decapolis. So now he's, in, at the end of chapter 7, he's still in a Gentile region. I mean, Decapolis, that's 10 Hellenistic cities. Decalon, Decathlon is Deca, 10 events. Polis for city. So he's in this very Gentile area. He's in this region of the Decapolis. Jesus goes here to the Gentiles. And there's this person that's, that's deaf and mute, and Jesus heals him. And what's so amazing about that is, as we looked at last week, that the, the promise in Isaiah uh, 35 of what the Messiah was going to do when he comes is, is all this promise about those that are mute are going to speak, and those that are deaf are going to hear, and, and God's going to bring this, this wonderful gospel um, when the Messiah comes, this is what he's going to do. And let's, this is what Isaiah 35 says. The eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. That's what the Messiah is going to do. Isaiah 35 tells us what the Messiah will do, but where he's going to do it. And where he's going to do it, he says, the glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Where does Jesus do this miracle at the end of chapter 7 of Mark? Lebanon. That's the Decapolis. That's Tyre. That's Sidon. Lebanon. So it's the direct fulfillment of Isaiah 35. It's Messiah has come. And then we're told in those days when a great crowd had gathered, he doesn't get on the boat until chapter 8, verse 10 to go back to a Jewish area. So he's in a Gentile area, and now these people, the same Decapolis, where the man, his name was Legion because he had so many demons in him. And you remember Jesus went to the other side of the lake to get to him in chapter 5, and he gets to him, and the guy is, falls down, and, and all the demons are like, please don't torment us. They don't want to be sent back to the abyss. Please send us into the pigs. And Jesus grants the request. And, and all of these demons go into the pigs, and they rush down a steep bank into the sea and are drowned. 2,000 pigs are done away with. And now the whole region, the, the people, the gathering, surrounding villages, they come and they see a man clothed and in his right mind and all the pigs are gone and this guy's fine. And they beg Jesus, please leave the Decapolis. Please leave our region. 
because you're not good for business. This is a problem. They couldn't handle it. They didn't know what to do with this man in his right mind, but they'd lost a, a pretty big harvest of Gentile pork chops and ham and barbecue was down the tubes, okay, when all these pigs went, went into the sea. And so the Decapolis has not been a real receptive region, but now all of a sudden they're receptive. For three days, they haven't eaten anything. They've been with Jesus for three... Jesus has been teaching them for three days. But we see a couple times, nothing to eat, verse 1. End of verse 2, nothing to eat. And Jesus says, I have compassion on them. Jesus doesn't just care for your soul, he cares for your body. He doesn't just care for your body, he cares for your soul. But you can't separate them. He is concerned that he realizes they're not going to make it. If, they, if I release them and turn them loose... They're not going to, they're going to faint. And I have compassion. We've got to do something about these Gentile hungry people that have been with me. And you would think the disciples would instantly, oh, well, Jesus, do what you did last time. I mean, you remember you just did this just a little while ago to the Jews. Maybe you could do that again. But no, they're like us. They say, how can one feed these people with bread in this desolate place? How, how can he do this? I mean, most scholars are trying to say, they, they struggle with, maybe it's just one feeding. And, and, and it's the same story being retold. Because the reason they, they struggle with that is they're like, how can the disciples be so obtuse? How can they be that forgetful? And the answer is, look in the mirror. We're just like them. I mean, I can't even find my phone. I'm talking on the phone. I'm reaching around. Where's my phone? Where is it? Oh, there it is. I mean, we're, we're like that. We, we just forget. So they're, they're completely like this. And so there's so many things that are different about the two stories. One has 12 baskets left over, and it's a different type of basket. One has seven baskets left over. It's a big basket, same basket that they lowered Paul down an axe, same word. Big basket, Okay. That's a different basket. The fish are different. These fish are, are small fish, really sardines. They're tiny little guys, different fish than the other account. We've got ones in a Gentile area, ones in a Jewish area. The whole correspondence is completely different. It's two separate stories. Jesus is doing a repeat. He's giving a redo, a redo test. Has anybody ever had a redo test? I've had a few of those in my day because I didn't do very well the first time. So you get to take it the second time. Right? You give any redo test? Yeah, I was one of those special people that got to take a few of those. Always did better the second time. They're doing a redo because they forgot. And so in the redo, he does the same thing. He feeds them. He provides for them. Everybody eats and is satisfied. That's the same word. They're blown away. Look what he's done. And then he sends them away. And so, right in the middle of this, we have a Markin sandwich. And the typical Markin sandwich is, Mark wants to weave a story inside of a story. We've been talking about this a lot in Mark. And the story, right in the middle of the story, is all of a sudden he inserts two, the only commands in the whole text. The only commands that he gives here is this little inserted story about watch out and beware of the Pharisees. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. 
He's trying to teach them, hey, there are people that not only are they blind, they are willfully blind. They will not believe. There are some people like that. And, and, and be, these people have actually come to Jesus, and it says they have demanded a sign from him, trying to trap him. He says they're seeking a sign from heaven to test him. And Jesus says, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly no sign will be given. I mean, he's doing all of these miracles, and yet this, these people come to him saying, we need a sign. You see, there's this, there's this interesting like levels of blindness, but in the middle of this Mark and Sandwich is a really willfully blind, and that's the worst kind. And it's kind of like, you know, there's, like, there's, a, there's a bunch of hamlets in all of us, and we walk around the stage and we conclude because we've looked backstage and we've looked on the stage, but we can't see Shakespeare. I don't hear Shakespeare, I don't see Shakespeare, I'm just a hamlet, but where's Shakespeare? There ain't no Shakespeare here willfully blind and can't see spiritual realities. And Jesus is saying, watch and beware of those who are willfully blind. Do you know there's people that actually thought with watching those Murdoch murders in South Carolina, there's, a few, there's some people that actually thought that Alex Murdoch was innocent. They were a small group of people. They thought he should be acquitted. They argued for his innocence. They tried to prove his innocence. They looked with all their might to find a sign that he wasn't guilty because their minds were made up. You know why? Because they were the defense attorney team. Those are the only people that thought he was innocent. They had a preconception and a determination from the start because they were being paid to land at a certain place. So they had to look for a sign that he's innocent. And there are people like that today that their mind is already made up. They're blind, but they're willfully. The worst kind of blindness is the willfully choosing to be blind. I don't want to hear what the... If God says that about my sexuality, I don't believe in a God like that. Their mind is already made up. So they're going to, you know, and that's what, if that's what the Bible says about divorce... Well, then this is my theology about divorce. And they come up with a whole, I mean, it's amazing when people are in the middle of sin, they'll come up with a whole unbelievable reconstruction of how to make it plausible. There are things in the Bible that hurt. They are really uncomfortable because we didn't come up with them. That's, I mean, if there's a God that you, the God you worship, if you like everything about him, he's probably a God of your imagination. Because there are things that in our fallenness, like, I wouldn't have come up with that. I wouldn't have said, man, hell for, it, for, for everybody deserves hell. Like, that everybody has to trust in Jesus, that everybody has to. I mean, there's lots of really hard things. But this is what the Bible says. So there, there are people that are willfully blind, yet in the midst of Jesus trying to just show the, the disciples and teach them and bring them out of their blindness... What are they doing? They're like, you know, they're, they're just, they don't get it. They're, they're, Jesus has compassion on this crowd. They've been listening to him for three days. They get fed by him. And, and now Jesus gets into the boat, and he gets into the boat again. And there's a couple key passages where he gets in the boat, gets in the boat. And now they're about to get in the boat. And all of a sudden they realize, we didn't bring bread. We didn't bring bread. We've forgotten to bring bread. 
We only have one loaf with us in the boat. Like, Thomas, well, Andrew, we, we had seven baskets left over. We had plenty of supplies. We had lots of leftovers. We had reserves. We had food for a week. And now they're beginning to, like, melt down. They're, they're having an argument. Like, we, we, we left the seven baskets. All we have is one loaf in the boat. And Jesus is trying to teach them about blindness, but we can't hear about blindness right now. Thaddeus, what happened? You're telling me we only have one loaf? That's it? And here they are arguing about one loaf, and they got the bread of life standing right next to them, who's fed them twice. He's the creator of the whole universe, who's providing for them every moment of every day. And all they can look at is say, where's the one loaf? We only got one loaf. Where are the other loaves? You're telling me we left it with those Gentiles? Those people that we didn't even want to be with? And you left the, all the reserves, all of our food for the week was left there. And now we got one loaf. And so Jesus has 11 questions in this text, but eight in a row of a crescendo. Here they are. Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? That's to us. Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken fish did you take up? And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? Do you not understand? I'm able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you imagine or think. I'm taking care of you. You see, we get myopic, not quite like the Pharisees in their blindness, but we see men like trees walking. And we get anxious. We could study a passage like this and still be feeling anxious right now. You could be reading a passage like this and thinking, how am I going to pay my bills at the end of the month? Right? I mean, I could be studying on worry and about how God's, how great God is, and yet find myself worrying. Because we're like this. This is a very convicting passage. Do you not remember? He has said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you, not subtracted, added. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient is the day for its trouble. So we have to repent and believe. We have to repent of every part of not wanting to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and not believing it because we really want to seek first my kingdom and my leftovers and my reserves and at least have at least seven baskets next to me. And then I could think about sharing. But until then, if there's only one loaf, we're probably going to fight about it. And where's the one loaf? I mean, I was so mad at myself this week. I did the dishes after supper. I put away the food. We had a great roast rice. And we're going to bed. Kim said, you put away everything in the kitchen? Put away the food? Oh, yeah, put it away. I get up the next morning. I come into the kitchen, and there's all the food 
that I nicely put in Tupperware and didn't put it in the fridge. And a roast had sat out all night and was no good. Rice, no good. And I had to go tell Kim. <laughs> I mean, that was our supper for the next night, you know, and it was a great, it was really good, Kim. And I had, and she said, but I asked you. And I said, I know, but I really thought I put it in the fridge. I mean, how would I not? I hate leaving anything out on the countertops. I mean, it, because I'm, I'm like paranoid of like getting food poisoning because it's happened before. And rice is a big one. It can get you. So I was so mad at myself because I had to throw it away. No leftovers. We all want leftovers. We want lots of supply. And I'll just say to us this morning, God is in the business of providing daily bread. We pray for daily bread, but we pray that after we pray, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Ah, give us our daily bread. Like he, he's pleased to do that because he cares about our needs. He, he loves our bodies as much as he loves our souls and vice versa. But he's saying, don't you know who I am? I've got you. I'm taking care of you. I'm providing for you. And I would just say to us this morning, as we think about what we've heard early in the service, we have a pretty rare opportunity to help somebody. I mean, do you remember when I just shared a week or two ago when I said, oh, yeah, I called, you know, I called this guy and I said, yeah, we'd, we'd like to plant a church in Germantown, upper Montgomery County. We'd really like to get a black pastor, you know, calling the, the guy from, you know, M&A. And, and he says, get in line. Because he's like, everybody's asking that. Of course. You're the third person that's called me this week. Meaning there's a shortage of workers. Well, now we have a worker. There's a huge shortage of workers in PG County. We have an opportunity to help. But we want lots of leftovers and baskets piled up. Seek first his kingdom. How can we give? Whether it's one time or ongoing, he needs our help. Let's see what we can do as a church. Because God loves to provide for his people. He loves to surprise us. And it's the way that he provides is always different than we thought he was going to provide, how he was going to provide. And we always want to micromanage it and control it. And Jesus is saying, do you not remember? I, I got you. I'm taking care of you. So let's trust him. And as we come to the table, he loves us. He has forgotten our sins. He has hurled them into the depths of the sea. He has forgotten. He remembers our sins no more. So remember this is what he's saying. Remember this. He loves you. We've only got a limited time here. Let's make the most of it for the king. Let's pray. Lord, forgive us for our myopathy. The areas where we're myopic we tend to focus on our needs and we get anxious and we get worried and we see wind and we see waves and we don't see the king of glory settle these hearts remind us afresh do you not remember you're the compassionate creator who loves your church loves your bride we thank you that you're the lover of our souls you feed us with the bread of life. Feed us now as we come to your table. We ask in your name. Amen.